Hello, good to see you all. Um, let's just pray again if we could. Lord, that, that text is so powerful that you, with no help from us, came and did an amazing work and called us to yourself and that you have transitioned us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You have made us citizens of a new, a new world, the kingdom of heaven, yet you call us to live in this kingdom. We ask that as we talk today that you would challenge us, you would speak to us, you would encourage us, you would um, ruffle our feathers. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good to see you all. Um, so this is the last of a series that we've been doing on the person of Jesus. So if you, this is your first time. Hello, guys. So you can try to catch up. We, we, started, we, we decided to do this series on Jesus, the eternal son. began with um, Jesus before creation. Looked at the Trinity. Then we looked at Jesus in the Old Testament, all the prophetic words, all the... The images that the Old Testament has about Jesus, seeing him as a fulfillment of something that was longed for rather than just something out of left field. Um, uh, and then we, we looked at the incarnation as a, a really primary thing, that Jesus interacted with our world, became a human being, that the God of the universe took on flesh. And out of that, we went in a direction I don't think we were expecting. We had some ideas, but it kind of took us down ways that were unexpected and looking at Jesus uh, as good shepherd, looking at Jesus as our priest, looking at Jesus as the, our healer, as we need to participate with him in our, in our healing and looked at him as brother, looked at him as friend. Then we looked at why did Jesus have to die? And last week we looked at Jesus victorious, uh, Jesus all in victory. And out of that, we, we, we almost had that scream, why, why, why? If Jesus is victorious, why do we still see what we see on the earth in terms of natural disasters and killings and shootings and all sorts of things? And then a few hours later, we had Las Vegas, which I, if you like me, I began to ask why, why, why all over again. Why, Jesus, if you are so victorious, um, why are these things happening? And uh, we gave some reasons for those, and I'm not going to go through all of those today. I'm going to... What I want to do today is ask a lot of questions that I'm not going to give you answers to, I don't think, unless the Holy Spirit leads that way, but to leave some things with you. And the, the number one question I want to ask is, how will we respond to this Jesus who is the Christ? The one who says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And actually in the Greek, that says the beginning and the end, but it's full unpacking means the one that was before the beginning and the one that is after the end. That's what that means. How do we, as individuals created in that image of God, respond to this Jesus as we live today in our world, which has fallen, and specifically in the United States with its, all its things? How do we live and follow Jesus and respond to Jesus according to what he's shown about himself and as we've unpacked in these last few weeks. Now, we could say things like, one, we've got to get to know him. That's kind of a pretty standard answer, isn't it? You've got to get to know this Jesus. Yes. 
You've got to learn from him. You've got to learn to walk in his ways. I think you have to figure out where you want him in your own personal pantheon of gods. Because we all have gods. Do you think that? Please let us, none of us say we only have one God in this Jesus. We all have things that we serve every day that are not Jesus. And so we have to, I think, figure out where do we want to put Jesus in the priority of our lives? Where do we want him in our personal pantheon of gods? As we live in a world that is slowly every day reducing his importance in the pantheon of gods. Jesus is no longer top of the heap in culture, in our societies, kind of slowly going down. Where does he fit for us? Do we allow him to go down in our lives just as it's happening in our nation and the nations of the world? I think we have to ask the question, which I think came up, uh, Heidi brought up at Home Group this week, is what is it, how do we learn what it means to live as a new creation in the kingdom of God while still being bound by this old world? What does that look like? If we are new creations, if all things have been made new, what does that look like as we begin to try and live the new, the new creation out? Um, living the, the future now, uh, the already but not, not yet. And we could throw out scriptures, which I won't, we won't quote, but I'll, I won't, we won't look them up. But we're in the world, but not of it. We love to quote that verse, don't we? It's a great verse to quote and throw out. Most of us have no idea what it means, including me, but we like to use it. We like to use, do not fear, do not fear what people fear, but in Christ, you know, set yourself apart. And we like to quote that verse. We like to quote that perfect love drives out all fear, but yet all of us live in fear. Yet we've been all been overwhelmed by the perfect love of Jesus. That's why we're here, yet all of us fear. I've had lots of conversations this week with people in the church and people outside the church, and everyone has some sort of fear. Fear that you get shot. Fear that you won't have enough money for retirement. Fear that your kids won't get a good education. Fear, I mean, there's just a multitudinous amount of fears that we face. But then we love to quote, in this, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but fear not, I have overcome the world. It's such a Pentecostal line. But it is a verse. But we like to quote that as well. But to live it out is another thing. Why, why, why are all these things happening and I think at the end of the day, I've come, I've come to the conclusion for me, I have to live with questions and answers and just let them run side by side and be okay with that, even if I don't have all the answers, because I don't. Um, and so, as I ask today some questions, and I'm going to ask some questions that will do, will, hopefully will challenge you personally. I'm hoping they will challenge you if you are married as a couple, if you're a parent as a, as a parent. I'm hoping they will challenge you theologically, I hope they will challenge you politically. I hope they will challenge you constitutionally. I hope they will challenge you at a lot of levels today. I want to ask questions. Um, and if you need to shoot me afterwards, feel free. But I'm going to ask them anyway. So my question one is this. And I want you to, as I, as I say, we're not going to just go into the next one. Stop and think a moment and write an answer or think an answer or type it into your phone or whatever. Would you and I would, I, would we let Jesus start with us personally to change the world? 
If we want to see change in our nation, if we want to see change in our world, in our region, would we allow Jesus to start with us personally and not the neighbor or the crazy man that shoots or that person or that? Would we allow Jesus to start with us and our hearts and our mental thinking, etc.? Would we allow Jesus to do that? Or we are so focused on what God wants to do with other people. In the light of this Jesus that has been presented to us over the last two months. As Jesus wants to work in each one of us to change us. And we, with the understanding that actually I can't change anybody except me. And mostly that's allowing Jesus to come and change me. I can't change my daughter. I have tried. I can't change my wife. I have tried. I've tried to change my younger daughter. Impossible. (laughs) I've tried to change some of you. No avail. I even got Clancy to walk into a wall and hit his head. Nothing happened. Just got, you know. I can only change me by allowing Jesus in and saying, Jesus, take hold of me, change me, reveal my heart, show me the way that I think, show me my prejudice, show me my pain, show me my fears, and would you begin to work? So in that next question, would you, are you willing to give up your right to be right? For the sake of the gospel, are you willing to give up your right to be right? Husband, wife, are you willing to give up your right to be right. Even when you are right. Sometimes our biggest fights comes in when, when you are right and you don't give up that right and it just leads to chaos. Well, at least in my house it does. Are you willing to give up your right to be right in the, in the light of who Jesus is, who is the perfect rightness? Would you allow yourself in Christ to become more a citizen of the kingdom of heaven than a citizen of the United States or any other country you would deem to want to be a citizen of? Which citizenship takes preference? Is that a good question? It's one we have to face. Disturbing anyone? Is it right? The noise. You're okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Would you be willing to reevaluate your rights and your values that have become so part of you through your family, through your heritage, through the nation, through whatever? Would you be willing to reevaluate those in the light? of Jesus' call upon your life and his call for us to be participate in his kingdom. Some of these apply to some, some don't. Some will have different answers because we're all in different places. So, is that all right? Would you be willing to give up your freedom for another? Would you be willing to give up your freedom to drink alcohol because someone struggles with alcohol? Would you be willing to give up your freedom and sell yourself into slavery that slaves could find freedom, as people did in the 1800s? 
in the land of the free, in the land of the brave. Let's elevate a little bit the land of the brave. Would you be brave enough to let go of your freedom for the sake of another? Getting quiet. Please hear all these questions in the light of us talking about Jesus. They're not abstract. They're in the light of who Jesus is and Jesus' call upon our lives. And he's calling us to, into his presence to serve him and be part of what he's doing on planet Earth. It's this great project. Are we willing to bend the knee to Jesus before national patriotism? Are we willing to sing the, lift up the banner of Jesus higher than the stars and stripes? Are we willing to sing uh, Amazing Grace as a higher anthem than the national anthem or God Save America or whatever? Or is our faith totally caught up in a national pride that robs us of possibly of seeing what God is doing around the world. <clears throat> in this age of free speech, which is entrenched in our constitution, are you willing to be quiet for the sake of what God wants to do? Or are you willing to use your freedom of speech to speak up for those who can't? You know what I did this afternoon? I, I went and... How many have seen the newsroom? That show? I went and watched episode one again, or part of it, the first part where... Was it Jeff Bridges? Just goes off. I was going to play it, but there are too many bad words. <laughs> But he goes off, and there's a line in it that just grabbed me, and I hope I can remember it. He says, there was a day when we fought poverty, not the poor. Where as a nation, we fought against poverty, but we didn't fight the poor. It was a great line. I suddenly thought, in our world today, we have disenfranchised the poor. We no longer fight against poverty as a mentality, as something that exists. We rather disenfranchise the poor. Are we willing to change that for the sake of what God wants to do? Because that's who he came for. Everyone okay so far? I will be here next week. I'm not sure. Maybe some of you won't. Are you willing to give up your right to bear arms as a prophetic statement to the world that we can change? How many of you think that the right to bear arms is, is not the sole problem for killing people in America? Yeah? Let's ask that question again. Changing gun laws is not going to stop people killing people. Do you agree with that? All right. Well, I was raised in Africa. And in Africa, we get a lot of snakes. 
If you ever go watch National Geographic, one of those shows is a snake called, there's a show called Snake City. It's actually set in our city of Durban and the guy catches snakes. Well, you see a lot of snakes. And we were told, if there's a snake around and you see a lump under the carpet, hit it. If there are three lumps, hit it. Doesn't matter what's in it, just if there's a lump, hit it. And I, just, I feel like it's the same thing as a prophetic statement. Are we willing? I'm not saying you have to. Are you willing to give up your right to bear arms as a prophetic statement as hitting a lump under a carpet? It's not the only lump, it's a lump. At the same time, are, you, are we willing to help families be united and fathers to stand up and be fathers and kids to be found in families, etc.? It's all the stuff that is needed that brings all of that about to be involved with people with mental illness and help people to cope with the stress and the pressures of life. All those, there's a lot of it. Are we willing to go through all of them and not just one? I want you to hear, because this is obviously a touchy subject. Are you hearing me telling you, you got to, if you have a gun, you've got to give it up? Are you hearing me say that? No. I'm asking you, are you willing to, if God asks you to, for the sake of a prophetic statement about something? That's the question. I'm going to ask this one again. I have sort of done it ask again. Would you allow your higher citizenship to have access into your lower citizenship? Now, I want to say this. <clears throat> when you read the letters of Paul, at one stage, Paul claims citizenship to Rome. Do you remember that? He says, I want to get before Caesar. I'm, I'm claiming my citizenship. So it's not wrong to be a citizen of a, pl- of a country or a place. He says, I am a Hebrew and I'm from this tribe. And he, There's a belonging that we're not trying to throw out here. Do you hear that? You, we are Americans, or United States of Americans, you know. That's our country. And we, I'm not asking you to throw that. I'm not asking you not even be proud of that. I'm saying, can you allow the higher citizenship to infiltrate that one? Can you allow the citizenship of Jesus, the eternal citizenship of heaven, to invade this one and see change in our world? If I were in South Africa, was the challenge we would give to people, would you be willing to do the same thing? We're in Britain. It doesn't matter. The same call is to allow the citizenship of Jesus to infiltrate a lower citizenship of a nation. You know? I just want us to think. I'm not telling you you have to do anything. I just want you to think through these things because I... It's, it's so in us that sometimes it's like, oh, that's what we do. And I'm just saying, think about it. Could we go back to we the people rather than I the person? Doesn't it begin we the people? But our world lives on I the person. Can we go back to we the people? Community. Are we right so far? How about when you say or pray, all that I have, Lord, is yours, and really mean it? All that I have, Lord, is yours, and I really mean it. 
I don't like that prayer personally because he kind of takes me seriously and it puts me to the test and I fail most times. But can we get to that place where we say things like that and say we really mean it. Lord, who we are is yours. What we have is yours. What do I mean by what we have that we make available to him? Remember, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking under the banner of Jesus. It's the Alpha, the Omega, the one that has done everything, that enabled us to have a future, all those things. What is, what, are, what is ours that we should make available to him as stewards? That has to do with your talent. How he's gifted you and blessed you. And some have ten talents and some have one. But he's given us each something. Your time. Your treasures. Whether that's your money or possessions or whatever. How about are you willing to give him your heart and your mind? How about your kids and your vacations and your whatever? Because I, I, I hazard a guess, if you're anything like me, that at some point in this walk with Jesus, you said, Lord, whatever is mine is yours. So that means everything. It's a great challenge. Unfortunately, not unfortunately, fortunately, Jesus is a gracious, gracious, gracious king that takes us on a journey from here to there. He takes us along the way. And when we pray those prayers, he says, oh, there goes Terry again. I get it. Let's just start with that little thing there because he can cope with that. You see, if Jesus answered all my prayers, I wouldn't be here. I've prayed a number of times for Jesus to kill me. Mostly when I've been seasick. I've prayed that boats would sink, that sharks would come and eat me. I've prayed all because I've been so sick. And God does not answer those prayers, and I'm really grateful. But when I pray this prayer, I think God takes me seriously, but he knows that I couldn't do it all at once. He knows my heart is to serve him. with, Yes, Lord. He says, okay, I'll start with a little bit. Can you give up a half an hour today? Can you think you can give me 10 bucks towards the poor? Whatever. He just, oh, he's gracious. But he grows me. He doesn't leave me there. He wants to grow me. So slowly he stretches me and he stretches me and he stretches me. In South Africa, in the, in the height of apartheid, Linda's brother, Malcolm, some of you know him, he had a, a multicultural, multiracial band called Friends First. <clears throat> And I listened to part of it yesterday, and it's really cheesy music now. But in the 80s, it was really wonderful. But it was prophetically inspired. And one of the songs was Another Friend in Another City. And that was the challenge that we were speaking from our pulpits. Are we willing to make another friend in another city? Which meant could be one mile away in, the, in a black township. Or the Indian township. Or the colored community. Or whatever. Because that's how we were broken up. And my question for us today, are we willing to cross lines to make another friend in another city? Whether, for some of us, that might be a racial line. For some of us, that might be an economic line. For some of us, that might be a cultural line of another nation within our own country. Are we willing to make another friend in another city for the sake of the kingdom? Months ago, a year ago, I don't know, we preached a sermon in, in, in Antioch. 
was the time where the believers, the disciples, were first called Christians. That's the first time that word is used in the Bible. It's only used three times, Christian. That's the first time. And Antioch was a big city, two or three hundred thousand people, and it was broken into, um, what's the word I'm thinking of, ghettos. And there was the Jewish ghetto, and there was the Ethiopian ghetto, and the Turkish ghetto, and the Roman ghetto, and the Greek ghetto. They were all where the people lived, and they were separate. You know, I, I watched Gangs of New York the other night. Have you ever seen that movie? The ghettos. People lived. The Irish and the Italians. and People lived. The Christians came to Antioch, and they, be, they were known as wall crosses because they didn't fit into any ghetto because they were, they were Italians and Greeks and Romans and Ethiopians and Turks. They were all part of this group called the church. They were known as the wall crosses, so they had to find another way for them. They, had to, they called them Christians. Can we, are we willing to be wall crosses? To make another friend in another city. In the light of who Jesus is, where he said there's no Greek, there's no Hebrew. There's no male, there's female, no rich, no poor. He's under Christ, there's this unity. Are we willing to step across those lines? <coughs> Excuse me. Are you willing... To allow Jesus, are we okay? Is there too many questions? If you only pick up on one, it'll be wonderful. Are you willing to allow Jesus through the Holy Spirit to radically deal with sin in your life? Are you willing to lament and repent? So this book I'm reading is the most underlined book I've ever had. I always, I'm one of those people who want to know what's the top three songs you have, what's the top three books, what's, I, I'm, on, I'm the, that sort of guy. This is in my top three books ever that's revolutionized my own life or is revolutionizing my own life. I'll read something from it. Terry's Guide to... No. (laughs) Soul Keeping by John Ortberg. So John Ortberg used to be the teaching pastor at Willow Creek before he planted or took over church in Menlo Park, big Presbyterian church. Um, He's talking about sin. He says, Good habits free us, but when sin becomes a habit, our souls lose their freedom. Habits eat willpower for breakfast. Say that again. Habits eat willpower for breakfast. Our only hope is not for more willpower. It is for a new set of habits. And he goes on to say, oh, and he talks about Alcoholics Anonymous. Their 12 steps are all about acquiring new habits through which we have access to God's power to do what willpower can never do. Trying to establish new habits. This is what the cure of souls look like for Jesus' followers. They confessed their sins to each other. They prayed and studied the scriptures together. They replaced sinful habits with new habits, Jesus' habits. They met and broke bread together, not as an obligation, but for survival. Soul survival. And as I read that, I was reminded that if I want to radically deal with sin and become the person that Jesus wants me to become. I cannot 
do it by myself. I need you. I need you to challenge me. I need you when, you, when I'm, something happens and I get frustrated with you. It's at that moment that God sticks his finger in my heart and says, you see, I want to change that. It's iron sharpening iron. We need one another. And when we break bread later, which Aaron's going to lead us in, this is not, oh, better do that oh, it's Sunday. No, this, this is absolutely essential to us becoming the people that Jesus wants us to become. We appropriate Jesus into our lives together. That's why Hebrews 10 speaks that when we gather, we encourage one another. We stir one another up to the great things. We don't give up meeting together. Not because We don't meet together because it's Sunday. It's a nice thing to do. That's what religious people do. We meet together because we need it to survive. As believers, Christ follows in a world that's falling apart. And if you don't believe me, give it 10 years. We need one another. Are we willing to allow Jesus to so radically deal with sin in our lives that we need each other to lament together, to repent together, to pray together? A few more questions. Are we all okay? Something sticking with you? Do we know who we are apart from money, power, and reputation? So if everything you had was taken away, everything that made you who you are is taken away, all that, would you know who you are? Or is it so tied into your job and your possessions or your whatever? Is who my identity totally tied into? I'm, the, I'm a pastor. If that's taken away, do I like, whoa, who am I? Does your work flow from acceptance and identity or does your acceptance and identity flow from your work? Are you willing to live prophetically rather than comfortably? What I mean by that is are you willing to be radical and when Jesus said, I would like to heal her. I'd like you to go live in the ghetto, the poorest place, because I want to show some people something. Or, and we say, no, I can't do that. It's not comfortable enough. Or are we willing to do that? Are we willing to be those who, like the 1800s, who sold themselves in slavery so that slaves would come to Christ, who went into headhunters and man-eaters to share the gospel so that the gospel would go to those places? And don't read Jim Elliot. It's pretty scary. You know, don't read Fox's Book of Martyrs. You'll want to not do anything. You'll just want to keep still. But are we willing to say, to live prophetically with the call of God, that thing that God is leading me rather than, I'm just choosing to live comfortably? Are you feeling uncomfortable right now? I hope so, because I'm feeling uncomfortable myself sharing this. Are you willing to pray as if your life depended upon it? Was prayer just like, ah. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll say this again, and I've said it before, and I'm, but I want to use the illustration again. And I tested it out again this week. Tila, I'm just using my daughter, so she knows I love her. How's, 
Are you praying? How's it going? Well, life is busy. You know, I've got a long drive to El Segundo. Life is busy, man. They email me all the time. I just can't get off. I'm really struggling. Well, I get you, We all understand that. Isn't that your life like that? So, and then we talk about this and talk about that. And it wasn't to heal. I'm just using an example. I say, are you, what are you watching? Any new shows? Oh, no, I'm watching um, Handmaid's Tale, whatever. How's it? It is so fantastic. I mean, last night I watched the whole series through the night. How many of you identify with that? You actually do have enough time. You just have to prioritize. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. That's not, I'm just asking you, are you willing to pray like you mean it, like your life depends upon it? Or the other things, at the end of the day, is where do you, where's your citizenship? Where do you see it all fitting? And you have to wrestle that yourself. It's not a one shoe fits all. You cannot watch Netflix. That would be so easy and so wonderful Then we'd know that you're all sinning. <laughs> and me included. But we don't do that. Or maybe some don't. But it's no, no. It's are you allowing the Holy Spirit, because of who Jesus is, to lead you into a life that he's calling you to? And for someone, they're going to say, you know, actually, Thomas was telling me about a friend of his that just did away with his smartphone, did away with this, did away with that, and just found life. That doesn't mean everyone has to get rid of their smartphones. But for that person, there was something. What is it that God's challenging you to, to adjust in your life so that you can be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and live it out well? Otherwise, doing a talk on Jesus is like, hmm, that was a waste of time. Are you willing? We've got a few more questions, sorry. Are you willing to submit your cause to Christ, whatever your cause is? All of us have a cause of some sort. Are you willing to submit that to Christ? Are you willing to live as as an example of kingdom life to your kids and your colleagues? Or is that an embarrassment? I don't want anyone to know I'm a Christian. That's a very private area of my life. That's what I do on Sundays. And when they ask you, what do you do on Sundays? Well, I go fishing and I do camping and I... You know, we play with the kids, we play soccer, but you don't, no, don't go to church. Are you willing to live as an example of kingdom life to your kids and your colleagues? Are you willing, which is one of the talks we did, to participate with Jesus in your healing and maturity? Or are you expecting him to just do it all? That you'll wake up one morning and abracadabra, Who's the guy, Ollivander, what's his name? Wands and Harry Potter, get your wand, everything will be made right. Or are you willing to participate with Jesus in what he wants to do in your life? Are you willing to actively confront the fears that assault us? Share them with others and say, would you pray, would you help me through these fears? I would hazard a guess if you're a parent or you're thinking about being a parent, you would have a little bit of fear of what the future looks like for your kids. Are we willing to work through that? Last one. Nah, we'll leave that one.
Now, you are going to remember all those questions. Don't expect you to. If one struck a chord, would you, over the next season, ask Jesus to show it and deal with it and do whatever he has to do to help you in that area? If nothing struck a chord, God bless you. I'll have to think of some more questions. The point is this. If Jesus is who he says he is, and we believe he is who he says he is, how do we align our lives to show that and live that? Personally, relationally, your family, in the way that you go to work, the way that you play, the way that you handle your finances, the way that you handle your time, whatever. All right? So we're going to leave it at that. We are citizens of a whole new nation. This is the last in that series on Jesus. And for some of you, be very grateful. This could be the last Sunday I preach this year. I said, oh, get someone else. We're going to go into a six-part series starting next week under the general banner of worship it's going to it's very loose in that we have not allocated the talks but brian is, begins next week i think he's speaking from the story of uriah i think but i might be wrong um then the two weeks after that so next week's brian the two weeks after that both are alan frau those who know alan from southlands alan's coming to speak the week after that, Matt Larson from Anthem is coming to speak. The week after that, Chris Vinant is coming to speak. The week after that, Alan Siebenahl is going to speak. We're going to have an outside input for the sake. And then we're going to do a four-part series on Advent, and I'm asking four people in the community to speak, and it's not Brian and I. So for those of you that I've spoken to, and some of you feel nervous about it, but we want to encourage you. Um, At the end of the day, we're going to leave here later, walk out the door, go home, do some business with God in your way, however you do it, and allow him to speak to you and minister to you and change you little by little by little. Is that all right? Can I pray? And then I'll hand over to Aaron. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us in a way that we will never fully, fully grasp. And that eternity will be the ever unveiling of that love toward us. And seeing your glory and your beauty and your creativity. Would you help us in our humanity, in our frailty, as living in a broken world? yet our hearts beginning to live in another place, would you help us to live well? Would you rid us of anger and frustration and hatred and prejudice and gossip and all the things that just 
entangle us. And may your, the fruit of your spirit grow wildly in us. May we see that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for your own possession, Jesus, that, that we may proclaim the excellencies of you who called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Once we were not a people, but now we are your people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy.